Joining me on the line, I'm very pleased to have uh, uh, Matthew Ho. He's the Associate Director of the Eisenhower Media Network, as I mentioned earlier, former Marine Captain, uh, Afghanistan State Department office. Uh, he's a dis- disabled Iraq war, war veteran. And uh, he resigned and um, from the military in 2009. Matthew, good good morning, and thank you for being on the show. Hey, thank you, Tony. I appreciate you having me on. All right. Well, th- this is a statement. I want to read a little bit of your statement that you mentioned. Of course, uh, people might know that um, in active duty uh, Air Force, U.S. Air Force uh, member um, emulated himself in front of the Israeli embassy on uh, Monday. He's 25 years old. And uh, I'm going to read a little bit of your statement um, that you uh, that you put. And uh, here's this is uh, from Matthew. It's important to note Aaron Bushnell's self-immolation was not just an act of resistance to genocide and a statement of non-complicity, but it also came from the pain and distress caused by the great and wide wreckage of this war and all wars. The moral injury Aaron was enduring by being part of a military whose purposes were not the interests of the American people, but rather the political, economic, and financial interests of the American empire and the great harm and suffering that those interests bring to so many millions of people is a pain and distress felt by generations of American veterans. The guilt, shame, and regret that compose moral injury are a leading cause of veteran suicides, particularly particularly among combat veterans. Um, and, and he goes on to just say, the uh, uh, you have to be careful not to celebrate his death, for this act of self-immolation is an extension and agent of the wicked violence of this war in Gaza. And his loss, like the tens of thousands killed in that war, is an act of permanent destruction and moral desecration. Um, we should honor his act of sacrifice while recognizing the moral injury he was suffering and utilize his memory to sustain our resistance to genocide, war, and occupation. Um, Matthew Ho, that was your statement. Um, and that's one of the things that's really kind of troubled me. I am old enough to remember uh, during the Vietnam War that there were several instances where Buddhist monks um, would set themselves on fire as protest against the war. And these acts um, garnered all kinds of publicity and attention. They made the cover of Time magazine and all that. And I am just confounded that there was a little bit of mention on this on the Monday nightly news, a little mention the next day in the the national newspapers, but here we are three or four days later and there is nothing. What are your thoughts? I mean, I I, I got your thoughts on that, but um, what about that? And, And what about this act? Uh, a very uh, selfless act by Aaron Bushnell, Matthew. It, it, it's uh, thanks, Tony, for having me on here. And um, yeah, it is. It, it's a it's a complex uh, act uh, to discuss. Uh, I think there's many facets 
that we can approach this from. But one is he did have a purpose in it. Um, you know, this idea that he was performing an act of resistance and performing a very extreme act, as he says in his final moments, um, as he's live streaming uh, the moments before his self-immolation, he says he is about to commit an extreme act of protest. Um, so he had purpose in what he was doing. This was just not a um, ordinary suicide, if people forgive me for, for using that, that phrase. Uh, the, um, you know, so the, the purposes of, of what he was doing, that this, this act of resistance, this type of protest, was meant to galvanize. Uh, was was meant to 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 irritate was meant to upset was meant to shock uh and in that vein he was hoping to uh one bring attention to what the people of Gaza were suffering uh but also and probably most important to him the role our government was playing in that genocide and how all Americans were then by extension complicit because one of his final thoughts uh, right before he, he, he commits this act of self-immolation, is to say that many people like to think about what they would do during the Holocaust or what they would have done during the Jim Crow era. Well, they're living that opportunity now to act, and they're, not cho- and they're choosing not to do so. So it's very explicit his intent to utilize this act of self-immolation in a manner that would bring about uh, uh, hopefully to him, uh, will be a catalyst for change and would inspire people, motivate people, uh, shock people into action. But as I also said in my statement, it, it, this cannot be just looked at as a singular act of resistance, but also has to be understood in a larger scope of moral injury. And we've seen that this week as reporters have begun to look at his history, uh, particularly he had posted uh, quite a bit on Reddit. And, of course, you know, pulling, pulling somebody's thoughts from social media, as we all know, it, it can be fraught, right? We're, right. I mean, it, it's not always clear uh, what a purpose is, person's purposes or, or context or meaning is as they post snippets of their life on social media. But some of the things we are seeing from Aaron's Reddit account uh, include things saying, like, I will never get this blood off my hands, right? So there's intense guilt, this intense shame, this intense regret. And uh, if, if most people, uh, or many people, Tony, probably are reminded when they hear that, that phrasing, I will never get this blood off my hands, mm-hmm. of sitting in high school, right, and reading Macbeth. And Lady Macbeth, an out-out damn spot, and she's got the blood on her hands, or the goat, that, that ghost blood on her hands that she can never remove. That's what we talk about when we're talking about moral injury. It's a transgression, uh, a moral wound so deep, so inviscerating, that for so many people who suffer through it, uh, suicide is often the only way they can, they can uh, imagine there would be a relief from the distress. What do you say about the fact, though, that there's, there's not much coverage of of this act and, and a very uh, personal and this big sacrifice for this individual, uh, for Aaron Bushnell, um, as opposed to, I guess we could, uh, I'm, sh- I, I don't know if you, well, if you were, if you were around at the time, but during the Vietnam war, when the Buddhist monks, um, were, uh, emulating themselves also, um, I mean, it, it, it was a lasting image. It was on the front page of the newspapers. It was on the nightly news, the act in itself. And of course, nowadays, it's it 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 wasn't aired. It's 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 it's. I don't want to say it's like it didn't happen, but 
there's some people I was talking to like they didn't even hear about it yet. What do you think right. about about right. that? I mean, was this in vain? First of all, he, um, well, I think there, there's a danger of of celebrating his act to the point that people begin to emulate it, or people begin to think that the only way to achieve change is through these uh, extreme acts. Right. Mm-hmm. That the only way you're going to achieve change or, or in, and in some cases, people may be looking for infamy as well, looking for notoriety or looking for a legacy is to conduct such an act. Uh, so there's that danger that goes with it. Um, and the fact of whether or not um, uh, his act will have uh, an impact, uh, I, I think it has certainly um, it has certainly uh, within the, the within the the the. the the peace movement within uh, those who are, are are arguing and and organizing and mobilizing against occupation and against the genocide this certainly has had a very uh, a very striking effect it has certainly touched many people but to your point tony outside of that um, i have not seen whether or not the network news have covered it or in what manner mm-hmm. they have covered it uh, i i have seen that there have been articles in the new york times and the washington post but I'm sure those articles will be the last of such articles, maybe one or two additional uh, follow-ups or personal kind of uh, uh, stories or where they dig into Aaron's past and tell his personal story, as opposed to talking about uh, the, what, his, what his, his protest was about, this complicity of the United States in genocide. Mm-hmm. And, but certainly, I think, as terms of, of touching those who are in power, I, I think that they are so unmoved that they are, are, are so uh, wooden-headed uh, that there is no touching these people, and that the only way to actually address uh, this and other issues we have in this country and internationally is to um, is to, to threaten the power that they have. Because I think many of our elected leaders are, you know, in, in simple terms psychopathic in the sense that they are not concerned with the events unfolding around them, with the lives that are touched, uh, the lives that are ruined, but are motivated simply in the pursuit of power, power for power's sake. Uh, you know, the seat that they occupy is all that matters to them. So I think in terms of, of, of his action, it will not necessarily have an effect on those people directly, but hopefully his memory can be utilized to inspire those who seek to change things and seek to remove those from power who occupy those positions from which they are, uh, as I said, uh, wooden-headed, uncaring, uh, psychopathic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eli has a question. Go ahead, Eli. Yeah, I wondered if you could touch on the importance of, of Aaron being a, a member of the U.S. military for this act. I know uh, from you know a, a U.S. cultural standpoint, I know a lot of people... Uh, people I know, you know, enlist in the military for kind of honorable uh, reasons originally and then uh, can kind of find themselves, uh, in this case, obviously complicit and, and caught up in something beyond their control. Uh, I wonder if you have any thoughts on kind of, you know, that that process of, of how the military is treated in this country and then how uh, it, it get, get, get pushed to, to situations like this. Well, the military uh, really has achieved almost a clerical-like status in the United States. Uh, we, you know, it has become uh, a ritual-like obligation to thank members of the military or veterans for their service. I've seen people apologize. I've had people apologize for me 
apologize to me for not thanking me for being being for my service, right? I mean, so it has become almost this type of religious like order or deification uh, where the military is uh, nearly untouchable. And you, you see this in power as well. If you ever watch a, a House Armed Services Committee hearing or a Senate Armed Services Committee hearing, um, it, there is this absolute deference paid to the military many times. The members of Congress look like bobblehead dolls as they nod in agreement with whatever the generals and the admirals say. So you have this place of rarification, you have this place of, of, of near deification of the military in the U.S., the celebration of it. And so I think when an act like this occurs, from a member of the U.S. military, you would expect uh, the American public to be shocked by it, to take notice, uh, you know, to, to, to understand what, what they're witnessing uh, in the sense of that this is, this is a young man who came to realize that his role in the U.S. military was not one of wearing a white hat, but of wearing a black hat, that he was not there to protect American interests, but was rather serving much more narrower political, economic, and financial interests, as well as hurting people, you know, harming people, bringing great suffering to people in pursuit of those very narrow interests. So you would think that there would be more of a response from the American people on this, but um, uh, with that type of clerical status of, of the military also comes an abdication by the public that they don't interfere in military affairs, that they don't know enough about military affairs, or I didn't serve, so I shouldn't say anything about mm -hmm. this. And this is a real problem we have in this country. We have, uh, right, we have a, a, a government that is basically, uh, you know, the, the more than half of its expenditures go to the military. We have a militarized foreign policy. We have a militarized police system in this country. I mean, there are all different avenues where you can see the consequences of this uh, abdication uh, of, uh, of, you know, abdication to the military by civilian authority that, you know, affects people not just overseas, but, you know, here at home. Right. Matthew Ho as associate director of the Eisenhower Media Network. He's also uh, um, an Iraq war vet, combat vet. Um, <clears throat> we got to wind down here because our show ends in about a, a minute and a half here. But I've had the honor of, uh, of being uh, of, of friends with a lot of Vietnam War vets. And as soon as another conflict, a military conflict, and the U.S. was involved with, uh, uh, happened, it was a, a triggering event for a lot of of veterans when you see something like this going on and see what's going on in the occupied territories. Can you just talk real uh, briefly on, on this as a, a triggering event and how, especially combat veterans, how this affects them? Well, I, I think one of the things that people have to understand is that when you're talking about this type of moral injury, when you're talking about these, these invisible wounds of war, these, you know, uh, uh, psychological, emotional, spiritual costs of war. Uh, it, it's not like heartbreak. It doesn't get better over time. It's, it's not a grief as if you lose someone close to you. It doesn't heal. It's, it's a wound that continues because what you have done is, is you have been a perpetrator. And so when you see something occurring again, Right, that is so similar to the act that you took part in, to the thing that you participated in, to the to the to the wrong that you 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 uh, perpetrated. Well, then of course that's going to be extremely triggering, and then there comes into secondary and tertiary effects of you know being a witness 
to or, you know, being a witness to the same crimes and wrongs and moral horrors being committed again. So it is. It has a compounding effect as generations of veterans witness the same, the same wars, essentially, occur over and over again. And I think there's also this great dissonance as well that exists where you have veterans, again, so celebrated in this country mm-hmm. when they are asked to stand up so they can be applauded at a baseball game or a hockey game, so, right? And at the same time, in, internally, their own thoughts are that I'm not a hero, I'm someone who did wrong. Right. Matthew Ho, I want to thank you very much for being on the show. I wish uh, we had a little more time to talk about this. Unfortunately, um, we got to sign off here. Matthew Ho, again, Associate Director of the Eisenhower Media Network. Um, I want to thank you, uh, but I'm not going to, I'm sorry, but I'm not going <laughs> to say thank you for your service. I want to thank you for what you're doing uh, uh, for the community at large and for our country uh, by speaking out on these issues. Thank you, Matthew Ho, for being on the show. Thank you, Tony. I appreciate you having me on. All right.